So, during this ascension period, how do we learn to use our intuition and inner guidance systems? And as we develop our skills, talents, and abilities, how can we be sure we're headed in the right direction? Will we ever really manifest our dreams? That is what we are going to talk about today on this program. Welcome to The Collective Awakening, where we have cozy conversations with all kinds of lightworkers, way showers and healers on a variety of hot ascension topics. I'm your host, Debbie Dubois, and I want to thank you for joining me to talk about everything from new relationships, twin flames and sacred unions, to tarot and astrology, to Chinese medicine and advancing healing modalities, and more. The Collective Awakening is brought to you by the RVF Radio Network and True Sacred Union's The Awakening Toolbox. Heed the call to conscious living with The Collective Awakening. Well, everybody, it's Debbie Dubois here. In today's episode, we're going to explore yet another aspect of what I consider to be the most important part of ascension, which is awakening to our creative expression. And like many people, my guest today, Kimberly Fisher, had a profound awakening in 2014 through the infamous catalytic heart awakening. Prior to this, Kimberly was leading pretty much a normal 3D life uh, with a background in both education and business. Prior to her awakening, she ran a methadone outpatient treatment center in her hometown. And then in 2014, she was transferred to Anchorage, Alaska to open up a new clinic. And it was then that she had her catalytic heart awakening. And this led her to eventually exploring the topic we're going to talk about today, which is intuitive divination tools. Now, many, many people, when faced with a quote-unquote twin flame experience, they go seeking answers. And if that's astrology or tarot cards or oracle or psychics, you know, whatever it is, in, in Kimberly's case, it was that drive to find answers that opened her up to her inner mission that she has been unable to turn away from. And so that's what we're going to talk about today. I want to say Kimberly goes by the name Aria. The name Aria was given to her by her higher self as she began accessing a whole new realm of intuitive divination. So I want to welcome you, Aria. Welcome to the Collective Awakening. Oh, thank you, Debbie. It's a privilege and an honor to be invited to come onto your show. Oh, I'm so glad to have you here. I know, you know, we've talked a lot. Kimberly and I, uh, and I'll say Ari and I have, you know, had many conversations. I've gotten to know her really well. Um, and there's some things about her very conservative background that I think makes the story very unique. And um, what I want to ask you about, Aria, is just to let me know, tell people that are listening just a little bit about your upbringing so that they can get an idea of the contrast between where you were then and where you are now. <laughs> okay, I'd be happy to do that. Actually, I'll do it in as, as a nutshell as I can, but um, I grew up in a very, very, very conservative Seventh-day Adventist background. They're a, a sect of Christianity that in and of themselves are very separate from the rest of Christians because they go to church on Saturday. And then they kind of have this idea that we're the ones that understand the Bible like no other Christians do. And we're following all the words of the Bible. Mm -hmm. And we have our own prophet that gives us more enlightened information on how to live our lives. And to top it off within Adventism, my family was in the top 10 most 10 percent of the most conservative adventists who are those who really do everything they can to follow the rules my father and mother are the most loving people so in spite of the fact that they were very you know behavior and rule oriented um there was lots of love in my home but it actually created for a very interesting um dynamic where 
uh, there was such a high expectation on behavior that I had to repress my true self from very young. And I have a very wild and carefree uh, spirit. I'm a Scorpio. So I have like a lot of depth and everything and so much passion. And then I was just taught basically that that was wrong and evil and bad Mm -hmm. and that I had to press it all down. And then we had a lot of rules and restrictions. And so that kind of is the context for, um, you know, all the way up until the point of my Catholic heart, heart awakening, I had at that point kind of left the strictness of the Adventist church about two or three years before and opened my mind up to like a broader perspective of Christianity. But I was taught that listening to our own inner guidance was dangerous because Satan could speak to us. And so the only, you know, through our, you know, through spirit, right. It was too easy for him to speak to us that way. So the only thing we could truly trust was the written word of God in the Bible or in our prophet, Ellen White. And so it was truly, um, you know, out of love because they were like, we really care about you having eternal salvation. And if, but you know, the Bible says that if, if we turn against the teachings of our youth, that, you know, we could, that would be, putting us in danger of losing our salvation. So there was just so much fear interwoven in everything. And I had no idea um, that I was headed into becoming such a complete, um, you know, turnaround from my upbringing, even though at that point I had already really kind of didn't consider myself an Adventist anymore. And that was hard enough for my parents, but I was still a Christian. So uh, as in the term of like standard thinking of Christian. So when this all happened to me, it really came out of nowhere. I was within a short time finding myself, you know, needing answers that couldn't be found in anything of what, you know, came within my context of worldview. I knew that I couldn't find the answers there. And so I began searching somewhere else. And that's what led me to what we'll talk about today. Right. So we're, we're going to talk a little bit about intuitive divination. Tell me, tell me a little bit um, about what that means to you. What is intuitive divination and how did it kind of come into your realm to explore? Yeah, well, right. So what happened was um, I volunteered to, to open the clinic in Anchorage, Alaska, because I wanted to get away from my situation, my marriage that I was in. And I'd been married for 15 years and um, it was getting to a point where it was something I couldn't, I knew I couldn't be in anymore. And I'm a Scorpio, like I said, so you know, I didn't know then anything about being Scorpio. I knew that that's what my sign was, but I was kind of taught like, you know, there, yeah, there's the sign of the Zodiac um, astrology in the back of the paper, but that's evil. <laughs> you know, I've mm-hmm. never, I, I think once or twice I snuck into the back of a paper and read it to see what it was all about. And, you know, it sounded silly. So I didn't know anything about that. I did not know that Scorpios, one of the sigils for Scorpios is the Phoenix, which of course uh, burns itself up and then raises itself up, itself up out of the ashes. And that's exactly what I did when I just decided to go off to Alaska and open this. Right. And yeah, I left my kids behind and they came up a couple months later for the summer and they were there with me that summer. But what happened was uh, two weeks to the day after I arrived in Anchorage, which I arrived in Anchorage on a, on a full moon eclipse. I didn't know that then I wasn't paying attention. Mm-hmm. And I, actually two days before the solar eclipse, actually one day, um, I went on Facebook and saw that a friend of mine from college that I hadn't seen or spoken to in 21 years uh, was in Anchorage. He's a pilot. And so he just, you know, posted that he was there and I messaged him, not sure if he was still there and he was. And so we met up and then you know, that was the beginning of this experience that I had and, and what it, we experienced together in just the short few hours we were there together. I was so blown away with it first that, um, I mean, I knew immediately that there was something here like I'd never experienced in my entire life. Mm-hmm. But I it was coming from a complete 3D paradigm where if two people come together and they both, you know, have this incredible attraction in chemistry and they're both on that same page, like the obvious next thing to do is that it will evolve into a relationship. And, you know, that I already pictured ourselves married. Right. <laughs> together, right? <laughs> so it was like, that was just the course. And we'll just, you know, it's going to flow along normally. Like I had no idea what was, I was headed into. Right. So the first um, 
few weeks after we had, you know, connected, everything was fine. And it was during that time that I was randomly watching Jim Gaffigan. And he says in his, in his show, as I was watching something about, oh, and um, I'm a Leo and my wife is a Cancer. And, and, and isn't it weird how accurate those, you know, the Zodiac sign is for people's personality? And I was like, wait, what? I'd mm-hmm. never even in my life heard about the fact that there is a personality attributed to a Zodiac sign. All I knew about it was astrology in the back of the newspaper in like a, you know, tiny, like six sentences. What's interesting about that is that I learned a long time ago, it was Linda Goodman, I think, used to have the book Sun Signs. And I used to sit and I, I, I don't know, I must have been like in my teens and I was always, oh, how do I get along with this person and how do I get along oh, with yeah. that person? So I, I totally know what you're getting you can at. relate. Like it's so, and of course, I, I am such a, um, anything that piques my interest, I research about. So right. immediately, like I'm watching the show and I get my phone out and I look, I'm looking it up and I'm like, oh my God, this totally describes me. This is exactly what I'm like. And then I looked up different people I knew. So just what you're saying. So I began a period of time there where I was studying astrology, like, you know, it was brand new field for me. And I was spending hours, all my spare time reading about it. So that sets the table for what comes next. So then I'm going throughout the rest of the summer. And then this person, he starts like kind of pulling away and not talking to me very often. And suddenly he's less available and I'm feeling this distance and I'm like, what the hell, you know, I can't live without this person in my life, you know? (laughs) And and so, you know, progressive another four or five months and I still was no more over him than I had been, you know, four or five months ago, which was not normal. You know, mm-hmm. we've all experienced breakups that were hard. I'd only, I'd known this person in college and then I only reconnected him with for a few hours. So how is it that he's so in my consciousness that I can't get away from it and I'm crying right. and I'm, you know, all that, we all know the story. So mm-hmm. I was driving to work one Oh, and I had also done in that time, like other things, like I found some guy, I don't remember his name now, but some of you will recognize, you'll heard, have heard of his thing. It's all, it's about a book he has called uh, How to Catch Him and Keep Him. Oh, boy. <laughs> and so I downloaded that ebook and, you know, and there's a lot of good stuff in there. And I was like, okay, this is a lot of self-help and self-improvement kind of stuff. And I get that, but you right. know. So um, I was driving, oh, I'd also started trying to date and I'd gone out on a few dates and then I was kind of actually seeing someone a little bit and, mm-hmm. um, but I'm still thinking about this other person all the time. So I'm driving to work one morning early and it's raining and it's dark and I'm crying, which is not uncommon. <laughs> that was happening oh, all the time. Right. And I was like, finally, I, I sent out this call. I said, what is going on? Why can't I get this person out of my thoughts? Why? is there some reason? I asked a question. It was a call out to the universe and I didn't know that that's what I was doing. Is there some reason I can't get him out of my mind? And at that moment, my eyes fell to the car in front of me and it's through the windshield wipers and the pouring down rain. I see that the license plate on the car has his first name. And I was just like, what? Goosebumps. (laughs) It was, yes instant. And I was just like, Oh my goodness. And I look again, I blink my eyes, the windshield wipers go again. And I look again and it says his first name and his last initial. Oh my and God. then I was just like, okay, what the hell is going on? I get to work. I close my office door. I sit there, I'm crying. I don't know what to do. And then I thought, you know, because I've been st- looking into astrology, I kept running into like ads for Keen, you know, the psychic hotline, Keen.com. Mm-hmm. I thought maybe I'll call a psychic hotline. Now you have to understand that from my background, all right. of this was just completely pure evil. I was taught that a psychic, all they're doing is channeling Satan. And oh my God. <laughs> yeah. So yeah. it was like, but there was something inside of me that knew there were no answers to what I was experiencing in in everything I, I knew about. I had to go beyond. So just to make a long story short, I did call the psychic hotline. And it was from there that I saw something about tarot card readers. I had heard of tarot cards. Mm -hmm. I knew nothing about them, literally nothing. Right. And so, but for some reason at that just was, you know, starting to learn to listen to my intuition. I didn't know that's what I was doing. And so, um, I thought I've got to get myself a set of these cards. And I went down the street and found an antique store. I didn't know where to buy them. I didn't know that you could go buy tarot cards in the bookstore. Barnes and Noble was down the street the other direction. I went to an antique store because that's all I knew about tarot cards is they're old. (laughs) That's so funny. I go in there and I'm like, do you guys have any tarot cards? They're like, 
no, we might have some in the back room. Yeah, they were talking to each other. Yeah, you know, we put some out last Halloween. You know, maybe there's they're back there. So they came out with this deck of old tarot cards, the original Rider Waite in like the old box, like the classic. They were probably printed in the 50s. Wow. And yeah, so that was my first deck of cards. And so I, I started spending hours and hours a day journaling, looking up every card, doing tons of spreads. And that was truly the beginning of my journey into tapping into my higher knowing and my intuition. And so that's why, to me, uh, intuitive tools, because I believe that everyone on this planet is on this same kind of journey. We have different ways of getting there, mm-hmm. but the ultimate goal for all of us is to be tapping into our own higher knowing. And until we really break down the veil, the barrier that is between us and our higher knowing, we need mm-hmm. tools to help us get there. Right. Um, Bashar, I think it's a, is a Bashar that talks about how they are permission slips they're they're like yeah permission slips for us to be able to tune in and for some reason we give ourselves permission to follow our you know follow the guidance that's laid down in front of us in a in a 3d kind of way um but there's so many different types of permission slips that's what i think of as um tarot oracle um any of those kinds of cards intuitive that yeah that's exactly. In fact, I was creating videos yesterday and I said that in one of my videos. I was like, you know, I'm not really sure why it is that spirit can so easily give us messages through these cards, but it's almost like there's permission been given for messages mm-hmm. to come through in this way. And then you're attracting the right card. Like you'll pull the right cards because mm-hmm. every single card has a, a vibration and so when you're tuning into the vibration of information that is that you want to know, I mm-hmm. do believe the right cards will show up to give you those information. And then you're using your intuition to pull more. Absolutely. You know, I found that the other day I was just doing, uh, I think it was like two nights ago, I was doing um, a reading and you know, I, I'm, I've been reading cards, you know, kind of for myself and everything else for two years. And then I, of course, started, you know, reading for other people. And as I started, what I started realizing is, is that I'm connected already. So if I tune in to what a person wants to know, as I'm shuffling and as I'm pulling cards, I'm actually getting information. I'm already getting information on what's going yeah. on with the person. And then they show up in the cards. It's like the cards come out as confirmation of what I'm getting. Does that make sense? Totally. And I just want to say too that, you know, my process of getting from where I was then and just, you know, five years ago till now, mm-hmm. it's been an incredible journey of growth. And, you know, over time, and I look back at myself at different stages of that period and think, see how the universe brought different people in my path to help me on that journey. But for the first mm-hmm. two or three years, I still had li- literally never met more than one or two other people ever who are on the same path that we are now, who now we're online, we're on YouTube, we're we're finding each other all over the place, but it was such a lonely journey at first and I didn't know anything. So if there are any people out there who are just beginning this process, um, you know, it does take time, but you will get better and, you know, all along the way, you'll just keep improving. And so you might kind of compare yourself to someone who's been doing it longer and think, oh, well, I can't get this or that or whatever, but it isn't true. You know, right. I'm, you know, like I can really access amazing things now, but only five years ago, I knew absolutely nothing about it. And it was a process. I, I spent a lot of time doing it. Um, but also because there weren't as many great tools, skills, uh, and information that I was able to find back then compared to now. So I think that um, the veil and the overall energies are raising anyway, and the veil is thinner anyway. So anyone who picks up on this will probably progress even faster than I did. That's a great point. You know, that is such a great point is that, you know, this stuff is not necessarily like just something you're born with. I mean, you, you are, you're internal, you, you've, you're hardwired for it. You're, but a lot of times, yes. you know, we go from not knowing anything about something to quickly blossoming into something because of the times that we're in. And like you said, that veil is being lifted and lifted. And uh, I think we're so lucky now 
to be able to connect with each other and to encourage each other. And that's one of the reasons why I'm doing this show, actually, is because I want people to understand that there are others out there that are having all kinds of awakening experiences and that they can have them too. Right. Yeah. Exactly. So let's talk a little bit then about tools. You have some. <laughs> yes. You have so some. Exciting. And I absolutely want to talk about those. But before, before we do, I really want to talk about like how you came to want to create some of your own tools. Yeah. This is really like it is a, a story that's, um, again, I'll have to put it into a nutshell, but it's the story again of a, of a five-year period of time. Mm-hmm. So what happened after I was in Anchorage was I always knew I was only going up there for a temporary amount of time, but that I would have to find a different job to come home. And eventually I got transferred to Seattle to run a, try to turn a failing clinic around. And when I was there, almost even from the beginning, I knew that it wasn't the right like the, the right place for me to be. Not that it was wrong to do. I knew that that was the stepping stone, but I knew I wouldn't be there long. And it actually became very apparent really quickly in things that were going on in that clinic and with my regional director and so on. And so I had a moment where I had to fire someone who, um, I'd only been there for a month, but I had to fire her. And she said, Kimberly, don't feel bad that you're firing me. I've known for over a year, this is the wrong job for me. And we ended up having a pretty long conversation as she was packing everything up because I have to stay in her office until she leaves. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and so um, <clears throat> she actually started telling me how she was interested in, get, she's a counselor and she wanted to get into metaphysical counseling. So she, she recommended the book to me by Doreen Virtue called Divine Guidance. And that was a huge turning point in me from going beyond just tarot cards mm-hmm. to tuning into so much more. Um, about divine guidance. And so that was really significant. But what it, what happened was after I, after she finished packing her office, I went back to my own office and I stood there and I said to myself, I don't want to be like her. And one year from now say, I knew a year ago or over a year ago that I should leave and I didn't have the courage to leave. Yes. And that moment I made the decision that I was going to put in my notice. And I looked at the calendar and I was like, okay, um, I, I want to give, you know, I have to give four weeks notice because of the level of my position mm-hmm. and I'll give that notice three weeks from now. And so, and so I did. Um, but in the meantime, then I just continued to be looking for a job and I couldn't find one. So when I had this moment, one time I was talking to my friend, actually right then I called him up. He was the clinic director of the sister clinic in Seattle over in Renton. And I said, his name is Michael. He's such a, you know, total archangel Michael for me at that point in my life. And I said, so I'm, I'm going to put in my notice. And he said, what are you going to do next? I said, I don't know. I'm going to keep looking for a job. So I get off the phone and I turn to my computer to continue my job search. It was at, at the end of the day, it was after hours. And I suddenly had this strong feeling. It was almost as if someone grabbed my arms and said, don't look. And like, I heard that kind of a voice in my head and I felt the feeling of don't look. And I was like, if I don't look for a job, how will I live? How will I support myself? Right. And then I heard clear as a bell in my head, it will come to you. Now understand too, this was the very first like time I'd ever felt and really experienced like a straight up message from, from beyond. And I'm not, I'm not that person that's always hearing voices and getting sensations and feelings and stuff. So this was Mm -hmm. huge for me. And so I surrendered at that moment. And this was totally new for me as well. And I was like, okay, I'm going to give it two weeks. But in two weeks, if it doesn't come to me, then I'll be looking again. And the next day I got this idea for something and it started pouring in and it was creative. And it was, I started realizing I could take this idea and turn this in and make it into, you know, so I I just began getting this idea. I'm not going to go into that because it turns out that even though that idea was my motivating turning point and it gave me something to focus on. Um, it didn't pan out in the long run. It took me, that idea led to a second idea and a whole development of, of, um, an idea that I had for school and nonprofit fundraising that I was going to go through. And I spent almost three years working on this project and building in different ways on it and getting it to a certain point. But after a total of three years time, I finally had to completely let it go. And there was a point in there that I felt like I, I, I was advanced enough in my journey to know that I wasn't a failure and to not go into that idea of being a failure. 
Right. But the temptation was huge, you know, because oh, I put everything into it. And I had not found a full-time job in that time. I went back home. My dad and I built a house together. I designed it and I helped him build it. And then I had to just sign it over to him because I didn't have a job to finance it, to right. refinance it. So I, I pay rent, you know, to my father now for the house I built and we built together. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's fine. So basically in a nutshell, I have not had a full-time job other than um, for, for four months as a summer camp director. I, as of a Girl Scout camp, I got a job the next summer, but mm. other than that, I haven't had a job in five years. And there were the first two to two and a half years of that time were brutal. I had odd jobs here and there and things that would come through, but I understand now that I had to go through a process of completely detaching from money, fears about money from, and I've never had a lot of money in my life anyway. So it was, right. um, I've always had kind of like struggled with finances and then to go through that level of struggle, it was hard. Right. So I know it was all part of the plan. I needed to, uh, and learning every step of the way to surrender and to keep on going and, but never pushing so hard. I never pushed so hard with any of these ideas that I had that, um, I was just going like bullheaded through, you know, through mm-hmm. trying to get a closet kind of thing. So, um, Along that way, though, I developed more skills and tools that have enabled me to do what I'm doing now. And I'm already an incredibly creative person. My mind is is always going a million miles an hour. I have, you know, whatever idea I get, I just, you know, have so many things to, to create in my mind. And then I bring it into fruition. I design clothes and I sew I cut snowflakes by hand, you know, with paper and it looked like people are, you know, like it looks like a real snowflake. Right. That's just some examples. I create. Um, last summer I designed and built a cabin. My dad and I built a post and beam style cabin. And um, I love to create and make things in design. And right. slowly along the way we built up my dad's, with my dad's help, I've built up, I have now three different units in my, in my home, the cabin and a downstairs suite in another room and I rent them out on Airbnb. So I've built up over time an income and that income is really great because it's completely flexible. It only takes, you know, up to at this in the summer busy season, maybe four hours of my time per day. And I make now almost as much as I did as a clinic director. That's amazing. That yeah. is absolutely amazing. And I'm only amazing. working from an hour. <laughs> Some oh. days I'm not working at all, you know, if there's no room to flip. Well, so, you know, um, yeah. I just so want to add was- Let me just interject here. So many people are in this process of going from that 3D job to um, the universe literally supporting the shift to what you're supposed to be doing. And it's incredible. This is just another example. Right. Okay, go ahead. Sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt. And I wanted, yeah, no, 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 not at all. Um, I really want to emphasize that because, and how hard it was, you know, Mm -hmm. that there were times there how hard it is to surrender and have the faith and trust because there were a lot of times where I had zero money in my bank account. I actually had negative money and, um, there, you know, I I was crying. I was, I didn't know what to do and I just could do nothing but surrender. So it hasn't been easy to get to this point. We get impatient with the universe. And the, the reason I think things go slowly in a sense still is that most of us, the people who are listening to this show and those of, those of us who you know are on this journey and are aware of it right now are still the light workers and the star seeds. The rest of the of the world is coming along in our in our path, but we're at the front and it's we're through the heavy drifts of snow. We're breaking a trail and it is hard and it does go slow. Mm-hmm. You might think, oh, I have ideas. I have so many people reach out to me and want readings and are talking to me and they're like, um, I have an idea for this. And I know it's part of my mission and my journey, but it's taking so long. And I just, I really wanted to convey that message here that every step of the way is a step that's bringing you there in ways you don't understand. Cause I mm-hmm. had to let go of the idea, the concept of how we fund it. I had to completely lay it aside. It was an app. It was, it involved a lot of, um, I, st- I learned how to develop an app in that process. I learned how to use Photoshop in that process and those pieces of, and then of course the personal growth that I went through. And right. then those are now the pieces I'm putting together to create something completely new, but I've still had to go about it at this pace that with my type A personality hasn't been easy. 
Although I finally learned to surrender to that. So I'm like, totally okay. Yeah, I'm fine with it to still taking another six or eight months to get, you right. know, from point A to point B, because I know divine timing is at play here. Well, and it's interesting that you should say all of that, because that's exactly what I have been discovering with myself too, is that, you know, with my, I have, you know, my own marketing agency and it's a small company, but um, there's so many times where I had things not come to fruition that I really wanted to come to fruition, but the things that I learned along the way and the things, what's happening now, and I don't know if maybe this is just what's happening to a lot of us, is like it's we're calling in all the different pieces of ourself, all the skills, talents, and abilities we need, and that and we needed to go through the experiences that we've had in order to get to the place where you got all the skills and the tools in the toolbox to use. And I mean, everything from just, you know, I look back at acting, I look back at audio recording that I had done before. I look back at video recording I've done before, training and development that I've done before, market, you name it. It all starts pulling in to what my divine expression of authentic self is. And it takes time and doors open when they're ready. So, you know, if you're in this particular position, you know, please take comfort in, in, um, in knowing that it is just a process of unfolding. And each right. try to stay in the moment of now and let it unfold because the, what we're going to start talking about now is such, Aria, such a great explanation of what happens when you do that. So keep going, keep telling. Oh yeah. Yeah. We're just getting to the good stuff now. So basically yeah. <laughs> what happened was it was in the summer of 2017 that I laid the whole, um, how we fund it app idea aside. And in the fall of that year, I, also, all the, that summer, I just had a fun summer. How many of you guys out there have noticed that spirit often just gives us like a break from the hard spiritual work in the summer? That's almost happened to me every year. It's really weird. But anyway, mm -hmm. I had a break from, you know, like this intense, um, you know, grueling uh, experience of, of, a, of the process of awakening. And I had a fun summer. And then I wasn't reading cards. I wasn't doing much spiritual work other than my daily hike on the mountains kind of thing. And then toward the fall, I'm getting back into it again. And But I was getting bored with the tarot. I had been studying it for so long. And I I was like, I did a card spread. And I was like, uh, I'm going to see what else these cards can say. And I looked up online and I found a website called um, Tarot Verbatim. And I'd never seen it before. And it was a different style of reading tarot than I'd ever used. And it was very um, word phrase oriented for reading tarot. Like this card can say these words and phrases. And she gives great detail explanation about why, you know, that she says the cards can say these things. And I loved it. It was giving me like a whole new, a, a new tool because it was such a different voice than what I was used to using. Mm -hmm. And so I got, I was all of a sudden excited about the tarot again. And then I was like trying to learn this system and it's, there's a lot to learn. And so I thought, well, what this really needs is some kind of an app that would, you know, provide all this information. And then you can put these words and phrases together and create sentences and create your message. Mm -hmm. But I was doing readings for people and I was like, oh, it's so much fun doing readings like this. And so um, then all of a sudden the idea of how to create the app came to me and I, I sat down with Photoshop and created every single screenshot, one screen after another, and this is how it would flow. And because I'd already gone through the process of finding, you know, a team of developers to develop an app, I knew what to do and how to go about it. And then it was that my very close friend and, and the person that um, you recently interviewed, Lisa from Green, Green Woman Wisdom, right? she and I are talking all the time and, and we... I said to her, you know, I really feel like this is something we should do together. And we had started channeling. We would go and do sessions together where we would channel. And it's really odd that um, my higher self, Aria, would do most of the talking. And the way the sessions work is that Lisa goes into such a deep trance that even though she's conscious, it's hard for her to like keep it going and she needs the questions. And so I'm staying completely lucid and, and like normal. And so I would ask the questions and then I would type, type everything. And so we would get these, we were getting such amazing information. It was huge for our own spiritual growth. And, um, we ended up channeling every card of the tarot deck and, and it was really, really great what we, what we were getting. And so I wanted to put all of this in the app 
And then we had someone step forward who gave us money to get the app developed. And so we moved forward with that, found a team of people in India who would develop the app. Uh, and it was supposed to get done in four months time. And to make a long story short, a year later, it was still only 90% finished and it was kinky. And it, like, there were lots of things about it. I could tell it was like, going to be an amazing app. Certain things worked fine. But the fact that it took um, six months to even try to fix one or two little things, mm -hmm. I was like, there's no way I can even get the last 10% of this app smooth and you know operating enough to actually launch this app. It's not going to happen. And so I again, just set that aside, surrendered that. And it was like, I know that this is going to be something I'll bring forward, but right now, and with this too many people, it's not. Right. And I had no money. You have to understand that, um, at this point too, I'd, I had, um, you know, that I hadn't built up my Airbnb business as big as it is now. Mm -hmm. And so I was still really stretched thin. It was just, it was doing better than it had before, but I was stretched thin. I have no money. And so, um, I set it aside thinking, well, you know, it'll, it'll happen when it's meant to happen. Mm -hmm. So it was about that time that I had started um, following somebody on Twitter. And now on Twitter, I'm there for kind of different reasons than I am anywhere else. That's my place where I'm kind of watching what's happening on the political scene because I really see the, you know, things around the whole entire world in terms of politics as going along the lines of ascension. And so I yes, watched that well. kind of stuff. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You got me and, into that. <laughs> you know? Yeah. And so I started following this author named James True and I was blown away with his writing and I went to his website and re read every article there. And you can tell he's totally awakened. All of his articles are all really truly about awakening, but then kind of touching how it's playing out in our life, in the world, on the world platform of somewhat politics, but just things like the structures, mm -hmm. I would say the, you know, that, um, that really entrenched thing of, of this matrix that it's what we're bringing. Right. So, um, I also read, read one of his articles where he mentioned the fact that he's in it and, and I just thought to myself, I'm going to message him and see what kind of it he does. And I, I did messaged him directly and we'd never interacted before other than on his tweets, I know he knew who I was. And so he messaged me back right away and he's like, yeah, that's the kind of, um, you know, I, I develop apps and, you know, let me know, show me what you're doing. And so I sent him a link and we contacted um, each other right away on by phone after that. And he's like, I love what you're doing. This is really quite in, in line with my whole mission and higher purpose, which is to be helping people tap into their inner knowing. Right. Like, you know, intuitive tools, basically. Right. He, he's not a card reader or anything like that. He, that's not his thing, but he, you know, he just saw and understood. And he, so he, he really wants to be, um, you know, develop and work on the project. But the, at that point, then the issue is money. Right. And uh, so Lisa and I, I, you know, we did a channeling session and I asked um, my higher self through her, I said, so how are we going to go about getting money for this app? And Aria says, well, it will come kind of like a through a crowdfunding type of way. And I was like, like I'm supposed to do crowdfunding for the app. And she said, no, it will be through some other creative project that you'll do. And so then I'm like, oh, I got to figure that out. And then she goes, no. <laughs> That's just so, I know. Well, let me figure it out. <laughs> right. And, and this is all, right. this is all last fall. And she goes, no, if you go to try to figure it out, it'll never come to you that way. It'll come to you on its own. <laughs> there you go. I keep saying you can't it'll chase it down people. <laughs> and so, um, it incidentally, I had already booked a trip back East to go see the call fellows, fall colors. And I was going to go by myself, uh, just me. And, um, I was like, where should I go? Maybe new, new England, or maybe I'll go to Colorado or how about the smoky mountains? Yeah. How about the smoky mountains? And so I'd booked a trip and I was, I went to see Lisa in Florida and then I went to Atlanta and I had rented a, you know, rented a car and I was going to do this week long trip up the, up the, um, the parkway up there. And it turns out that that's up in the area where James lives and guess who else lives right in that area. Yeah. The yeah. one. Yes. <laughs> right. So right. that's how I met Debbie for the first time. We talked yep. by phone and I messaged you and said, Hey, I'm going to be in Atlanta. And so we met up and then I ended up meeting yeah. James. So, so all of this happened then. Right. And yet I, st we were all excited about, you know, making this app move forward. 
but the money still was an issue. So I just let it go. And James said to me, you know, you know, Aria, you, you should get back on YouTube and start doing readings again. And, you know, if, if nothing else, start building up a presence so that when you're ready to launch the app, you'll, it'll have a place to land. I was like, yeah, I think I could do that. I'll do that. So I started a new YouTube, YouTube channel in December mm -hmm. and started doing readings. And at that time I started, um, getting into Lenormand, which is a system that's very similar to the word and phrase style of reading tarot. Mm -hmm. And I think I'm just the kind of person I kind of get bored with something, the same old thing forever. And so I was just exploring different, you know, different intuitive tools have a different voice and different messages kind of tend to come through. Right. So I kind of started using Lenormand and tarot both in my readings on my channel. And then I came across this deck of cards that had Lenormand cards that had words on it. And I found that with the words on it, the messages came through so much more for me. It would kind of, especially when I'm trying to do a live reading and I don't have time to look things up in a book. Right. And so that's what I was doing, but I didn't like those particular cards. I didn't like the images. And so after about a, about two or three or four weeks of using those cards, I was like, I've got to make my own cards. Did it, I need something better than this. And so <laughs> all of a sudden I dove in, I'm like, okay, I'm gonna, going to make my own cards and I don't know how many I'll make, but I'll do at least 36 for the basic Lenormand cards and I'm going to do some extras. And, and the next thing you know, two weeks later, I'd created 118 images and that is that what is we're so here talking you. about. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I'm going to just do 30 cards, 33 cards. And it's like, oh, I have 108. <laughs> yeah. yeah so me. I was working from anywhere from eight to 14 hours a day and I mm. stopped doing videos. I just finally posted a message on my channel, which I only have 1700 followers. It's not that many. And I was just like, sorry guys, I'll be back. But I'm <laughs> right now. And if I get in a zone like that, I don't want to stop. Right. So, in fact, I wasn't even eating. The, the day that I finally finished, I was like, oh my gosh, I'm so hungry. And I've been eating for the last three days, <laughs> eating like a, like a horse <laughs> trying to catch up. Right. So one of the other things that I had learned just in that time frame was because I started this new YouTube channel on, and all of a sudden, oh, I have a new computer that my uncle bought for my kids and me and mm -hmm. my son is a, a gamer. And so it's a very powerful computer and we bought a good microphone and we bought, um, you know, he edits videos for his gaming. And so mm -hmm. we have a good video editor. And I was like, well, I'm going to start editing videos on my channel. And, um, I had so much fun editing videos that I've, you know, like that's been half the fun of doing the channel. So oh, I learned video editing. Yes. Yeah. Which is also amazing because in the past, when I would think about doing a Kickstarter campaign, the idea of having to create, get someone, I don't have the money to pay someone to create a video and the idea of the video would always be overwhelming, but I was ready to take that on. So when I finished all the images to the cards, it took me about two days to make this video. And I well, wait, you didn't really campaign. talk about oh. like Kickstarter. You, you just oh, sort right, of jumped past that. Right. <laughs> that right. was all part of this whole journey as well. <laughs> yeah. So, um, you know, at first I'm doing these cards and I was like, uh, you know, they'd be perfect for a Kickstarter campaign because once they're finished, uh, it's, there's not a lot other, anything else to do other than just send the images off to the printer. And so it, it suits itself for, right. you know, showing people what I've created and then helping bring it to reality. And then the Kickstarter would, um, raise the money for that. Now here's the, the crazy thing. Mm -hmm. I had filed that part where, um, I was told that I would have a creative project that would raise money through crowdfunding. Right. I felt it so deeply away in my mind. I never once thought about it until long after I was into this project and it had already was like, yeah, I'm going to do a Kickstarter. And then I was like, oh, you know, I could probably use these when the cards sell, then I can use that money to get the app developed. Oh, it, it didn't even occur to you. No. And then it was even a few days <laughs> later that I was like, wait a minute. That's what I was told. <laughs> You're so funny. Yeah. <laughs> so again, it's a testament to um, the fact that, you know, when we're tapped into our inner knowing, we really are getting real true messages. Right. It's not just being made up. And I have another healing story, which we won't even talk about now um, because we could put the link to the video where I was just interviewed 
last week by right. a person, a healing session that I had, which, you know, built on the healing that Lisa and I had done. And then, um, into another, um, QHHT type of system called aura that I did last summer too. And so what my point is, is that sometimes when we're on this journey, at least for people like me who I still don't think that I tune in and really hear, like I'm not as psychic as a lot of people. Right. And we all need that at some point. Yeah. Right. That's my point is a lot of times we still feel like that veil is really thick. And when we have these little things come through that are so affirmative, it's like, yes, you, that was a true message because, um, look, that's exactly what happened. And you filed it so far away in the back of your mind that you forgot about it. And then there's no way that that's, I wasn't trying, you know? Mm -hmm. So. So I've got to tell you that I've seen the cards and, um, one of the reasons why, I mean, your, your journey is so incredible, but one of the reasons why I really wanted to have you on my show right now is because I'm very, very excited about these cards. Um, as a reader, I tend to, like I think I've already said, as I bring, I bring through information, but a lot of time, especially when, um, when I'm talking to people who are more visual and who, um, who really are at the stage of life where they like the, the confirmations, the, um, the, the signs, the things that continue to tell you that, you know, you're, you're listening to something that's really, really important here. Cards are so important now to me in the readings that I do because it gives someone something to focus on and it's, it sets this table so to speak of, of, of information that comes through in such a tangible way. So it's interesting is that I could maybe even have the same kind of a reading, this is just me, with people and get some information through that will really, really help. So I've been doing that my whole life. But your cards, I first of all, tarot, I've never really like been able to, what do you want to say, dive into all of the different aspects of tarot. I've actually done better with Oracle cards. So what I absolutely love about the cards that you have designed is that they're so much based on the way I read cards, which is like you said, not having to turn around and look at a book. You know, when I look at a book, what happens is, and I do it often, words jump out at me. They all form, they form a thought words, not, you know, whole thoughts, but words. And so when you said you were coming out with some cards that were word oriented and phrase oriented, I was like, oh my God, that's for me. But right. then there were some other aspects that I saw in the cards that ma- it just made me flip out. Number one, the simplicity of the graphics and the beauty and elegant of the graphics, which were simple, which bring forth more intuition than, you know, you can have all the busiest cards in the world with gorgeous, gorgeous artwork and stuff, but sometimes it's just too much. You know, right. my mind gets all wrapped up in, oh, I get in, in mental as opposed to just tuning into, into source energy. And then the third thing is, and we talked about this before you ordered them, I was like, one of the most important things to me with cards is how they feel. Right. You've got to <laughs> be able to shuffle them. You've got to be able to handle them. You've got to be able to feel the energy and the cards. And so when you told me the type of cards that you were creating, and then when I saw the printed deck, I'm like, oh my God, I got to have them. And I got to have them now. <laughs> so, <laughs> so I don't mean to, to take the stage here, but I do want to say this, you know, well, go ahead. Go, you listen, I'll let you say what happened when you started your Kickstarter because okay, yeah, right. So, well, first of all, just I want to do do want to describe the cards a little bit more okay. because, it, and the reason they have such simple, clear images is because they it is based on a Lenormand oracle, and I won't go into a lot about Lenormand right now. But if anybody wants to search it up, you you can do that. And the the idea with the Lenormand is it's based on thirty six cards that are images, very simple images, and the and you just focus. Uh, when you're doing a Lenormand spread, you just want to be able to look at it and instantly see fish, sun, house, letter, moon, writer, and mice or whatever it is. Mm-hmm. And from that, you know what those cards have the possibility of saying 
But then on top of that, Lenormand has those 36 cards um, have pairs and there's over 600 pairs. And so every pair has a unique meaning on its own as well. And that's where it gets extremely, the learning curve is so high for it that I, I resisted jumping into it for about, I knew about it for over four, three or four years. And I wanted to, cause I love watching the Norman readers, mm -hmm. but there's, you know, that's a lot to learn. And so um, I have been doing that. I've been doing the research and taking the time but I also know that a lot of those pairs, um, they don't really say 600 different things. There are 600 pairs that have, a, you know, that, that mean something else, but there's also overlapping. And so as a reader too, I kind of find that, uh, that messages, enough messages could come through in like say a deck of um, 72 cards or whatever that you wouldn't really have to learn so many pairs. And so mm -hmm. I set out to create, first of all, the original 36 Lenormand cards. And that's why the images are so simple and clear. Mm -hmm. And then I was like, I'm going to add cards to it. And I didn't know how many I would add. And I decided to just do a companion deck. That's another 36 cards where they're numbered the same as the original Lenormand, which also have card suits on them. Mm -hmm. And those companion cards would kind of be a nuance of the original card meaning. So for example, um, I have the writer is the, is number one in the deck. And then my, my second deck is the archer. And the idea of the writer is that it's, um, messages, it's news, it's traveling fast, it's focus, achievement, accomplishment, getting, you know, toward a goal, um, movement and everything. And then with the archer, you have aim and focus and like, you know, you take the time to aim and focus, but then when you go, and you let the arrow go, it ends up, it hits its target quickly. And even wow. um, one of the other phrases on there is your go-to guy or gal. Like that's one thing mm -hmm. I love about Lenormand is it'll take like, um, you know, basic bigger meanings and then give you some kind of focused. So, so that's just an example. So all the way through the second deck, you have these other cards that bring in a whole nother meaning, which often is like in traditional uh, Lenormand, it'll be like, what does the ring and the heart say together? Well, in my deck, the card that I have for the heart is the Celtic knot. And mm -hmm. the ring and the heart together in original Lenormand talks about an actual love connection that's very strong, a strong bond, a commitment, deep commitment. Mm -hmm. And so then my heart card in the second deck, the, the nuance deck is Celtic knot, which has all the meanings of a Celtic knot, which is infinity and deep and everlasting. And, you know, so this is how that second deck works. So far I've used them where I take decks one and two, shuffle them together. So I have 72 cards and the messages that have come out of them have been astounding. Right. Now, at the same time I was creating all of these images, I was like, well, I do want to have timing cards. And I think the best way to do a timing card is the signs of the zodiac. And so I have 12 timing cards that go through the calendar of the zodiac. But for example, on each card, um, I'm looking at cancer here and it um, has timing within one to three months during the summer or from June 22 to July 21. And so throughout the deck of, uh, throughout the 12 cards of the Zodiac, you have like these different time frames to choose from. I have found so far that they seem like they're really fun to use and quite accurate. Right. Another, um, another thing that's on these, on the Zodiac cards is that there's a picture of a person and then it says King of Water. Um, princess of earth is Virgo, prince of fire is Sagittarius, king of fire is Aries, prince of air, Gemini, and so on. So right. we have characteristics that we're used to in tarot. So what I like with what I've done with this deck of cards is I kind of have brought in some of the essence of the tarot into Lenormand. Love so it. you can actually shuffle these 12 cards right into your regular deck and let them show up as people, which right. I feel like Lenormand is great, but there's only two people cards. There's a man and a woman and a child. There's three. So you kind of have a lack of people, of personas mm -hmm. in, the, in that deck. So if you wanted to shuffle those 12 cards in, you could. So then I'm also kept having animals show up. When I was just ran, I was just going through brainstorming. Okay, what new cards should I add? And I would be like, oh, well, you know, um, the eagle, eagle could say this and the, um, the wolf could say that and, and so on. So I started mm -hmm. thinking, you know, I've got enough cards that are not animals to match up to make 36 of the nuance, the second deck. 
Right. And if I have 12 signs of the Zodiac and I did 24, 24 spirit animals, then I could have a third deck. And it really made sense that they kind of told me what to do, you know, like, yes. This. And so the, what's really great about the animals is they're still kind of like that Lenormand idea where, um, I did two things. I would have an idea of something I wanted to convey to balance out the deck. And then I would go do research and say, okay, what spirit animal says this? Or I would have a spirit animal that I wanted to include in the deck because it was already speaking to me. Mm -hmm. And then I would do the research and say, okay, what all can it say? Then I was very careful to number them one through 24 with corresponding to numerology so that you actually, for example, the swans is the six. And of course, we're used to six of cups in tarot as being the soulmate card. So we have the swans here and it's actually my, my one divine partner, twin flame card of the deck. And it says um, soulmate, twin flame, the one partners, a pair, simpatico, two of a kind. So you might have that card come up in a reading where you feel like it's not at all about a soulmate or a twin flame, but it also calls about it's a pair or two of a kind. So, right. um, you know, you have... Each of these cards really, you, you, they do have the flexibility to fit in different ways. Now, finally, right? <laughs> <there's more. laughs> exactly, I love it. So the deck, actually, I, early on, I wanted to make a deck of 108 cards because it's a sacred number. And what do you know? 36 times three is 108. So, um, yeah. So, so then I was like, but I have the 12 signs of the Zodiac. And then if I add the, the eight planets, the sun and the moon, that actually equals 22. And right. guess what that is? That's the major arcana. Ah, uh, right. Arcana actually is very specifically the 12 signs of the Zodiac, right. eight planets, the sun and the moon. And they all have their correspondences. And so I went ahead and designed cards for each of the planets. And like, and I, I love those, by the way, I absolutely great. love those. I call them the planetary influencers, but you know what? Then I almost didn't even include, I didn't, I did not include these in the regular deck because I was like, it is taking me in too many directions. It's lacking focus. I need mm-hmm. to stick to my original plan of 108. So it wasn't until I started my Kickstarter campaign that I realized that if I did go ahead and print them and offer them as kind of like a special something available as a bonus only during the campaign, right. that it could be a really, I mean, I want to give it to people. I right. want them to have these because they really are helping the overall use of this spread of right. this deck of cards, but they really are separate. Okay. So right. what they are is I'm looking right now at Mercury and it's the messenger of the gods and it influences all type of communications, ideas, thought processes, expression, electronics. And then I say characteristics, witty, lively, curious, high, strong, quick. And then it says in tarot, the ma- magician. And then I've got Mars, which is the ruler of destruction in tarot, the tower. And then it tells about its, you know, uh, attributes and so on. So I have every one of the planets and stuff and they're beautiful cards. So what I'm doing right now with my spreads, you could, again, you could shuffle all 118 cards together, Uh but I'm holding them out separately and I'm pulling them as like, okay, so now what's influencing this situation? And they've been incredibly accurate. Right. You still there? Yeah, I'm still. Oh, good. It's like all of a sudden it got quiet. Wondered if that like the 38 minute pause there. (laughs) Oh, so um, well, all right. So I guess what I now that you know you've you've told everybody what these cards are all about. I mean, what I what I wanted to say about it is is that what happened, I wanted you to tell people, this is what I think is so exciting, is that once I found out she was doing a Kickstarter program and she was going to be able to print them, because, you know, anyone can have a great idea, but unless you have the ability to actually create it, it doesn't go anywhere, you know? And I was like, I really, really want these cards. So when you told me that you were doing the Kickstarter, you know, I really didn't know what to expect. I mean, I, of course, I'm always hoping the best and everything, but right out of the gate, I mean, within how many days you had half of it, you met your first goal. You're half, halfway there? Halfway there in three days. It's a 40-day campaign, and right. I set the goal for $5,000, which is the minimum that I wanted to have in order to print a, a small run of, of these cards. Right. And even with that small run, I would have, you know, be able to sell the rest of the cards and make enough money to get going on the app, which is my goal. Right. But, you know, my back of the pocket goal 
is actually more around 15,000. So I can do a larger printing. Right. And so yes, it was very amazing that right out of the gate, um, I was getting like, you know, one, two, three, five, ten. Right. <laughs> and three days I have 33 uh, supporters, um, backers who That's are. That's wild. <laughs> 33 that, that I know, 33. Well, I was going to say, I mean, I want to bring that up because anyone that is interested in taking advantage of getting, like, getting some of this, these cards as soon as they're available, um, or if you want to support Kimberly, I am going to put a link to the Kickstarter program. What that does, though, is it gives me a whole bunch of new ideas in terms of any of you guys out there that are, you know, thinking about what you're here to do. And if you've got a mission that's burning inside of you, or if you've got a dream that you're trying to make true, hopefully you'll see this as, you know, a possibility for how you can go about doing things. Um, but before we wrap up, because we are running out of time here, I want to ask you, um, Aria, if you'll be willing to do a video with me, because what I want to do, and this will be outside the Collective Awakening, it'll be available on um, True Sacred Unions, The Awakening Toolbox, on probably on Facebook. I don't know if we're going to do a Facebook Live or I'll, I'll, you know, set up a video. I would love to have a video broadcast where we can look at those cards. And maybe you and I could even pull some cards for people or, you know, just, just to show because these things are amazing. And I'm I'm on the I'm on the list, guys, to get the first deck. <laughs> yeah, actually, she's on the list to get an early printing. So I've had one deck printed. It cost me eighty eight dollars to print this one deck. Right. And I received it within with within five days, and I'm going right. to have an opportunity to make a few more editing and some changes that will help. Then I'm going to purchase like another, you know, few more decks, and yeah. you get to have one of them because you're going to use them on your channel. So I was going to say, I definitely am, and yeah. uh, I, I absolutely love them. So I would hope that you'll do a video with me. Absolutely. would love Yay. to. That'll be yeah. fun. That'll so, be so much fun. The other thing, you know, about creating all these images is that these images will be most likely used in my app. So when the app comes out, we're taking all of this to like a whole nother level. Right. And I'm so excited about that, but still it's just like, to me, this is an example of how um, the process of how we're led to get from point A to point B you know, sometimes we're led through an, an entire maze. And so if anybody is out there feeling like, okay, you, you're getting there. And in the way you said, like, this is, you know, finally bringing something to fruition of all the ideas I've had in five years, other than building up my Airbnb business, this is the first time that I've brought something truly into a very tangible fruition. So and I'm not saying it'll take everyone else five years, but for those of you out there who are struggling and feeling like, oh my goodness, it's like not going anywhere, just don't give up. Just right. keep on going and surrendering along the way because it will they will come to you, but they're going to come in pieces and you have to have the patience with yourself and, and not judge yourself for what seems like failures because I had a lot of them. Well, and what I found in that along those lines is that you actually have to go through an undoing process of the blocks that we have to abundance. Just like we think about the Rumi quote that talks about unblocking ourselves to love. We have a lot of blocks to using our creative expression. And we, we have a lot of value issues inside of ourselves. It's like we're programmed to not have any value within ourselves. And we have to go through a process of letting all that stuff go before we're actually at a place where we can manifest and where we can bring these dreams to fruition. So I just want to thank you so much, um, Aria, for joining me today on the program. I'll wrap up now here. Um, this oh, week I just want to say oh, one go ahead. before yeah. you wrap up. I just have to say this. I, this is a confession, and it's almost hard to make, but I want to make it because I think that people need to hear this. Okay. The door, you just heard the door close. My daughter walked through here. Okay. So I'm sitting here on the computer and every image that I'm creating, I'm like, I'm so excited about it. And I would you know, get my daughter, come look at this and, and show my son. And, um, and I would be like, I'm so good at this. <laughs> I was like, having so much fun. And my daughter's like, I love that you have so much self-confidence. And I have to say, like when you were talking about our blocks, yeah. There's, I was raised with this idea of like, we should be humble and, and, you know, and I do feel like that I'm overall, like, I feel humble about this. Like I, I just, I am a servant. I'm a servant to all, 
But at the same time, like really just understand that you are so gifted and so talented and you have it in you and, and relish, you know, whatever you're bringing forth. Like, like when I'm doing that, I'm just doing it, which is great joy and excitement. Like this morning I told you, oh, I've got another idea for another deck. Like I, I know I'm going to be producing more. Like, right. I, I, in fact, you're going to have to hold me back because no, know, allow every deck to like reach its full potential for sales before I produce another one, you know, but I'll be, I'll be making more. So I totally relate to what you're saying though. It's like, you know, learning all the different things that I've been learning and I sit in my office and I smile ear to ear and I'm like, how can I be so blessed to do the stuff that I love? But so much of that is learning how to let go of all the blocks that we have that say, you're not supposed to have fun. You're not at work, you know, and Lisa, speaking of Lisa, you know, she was talking about, you know, how she doesn't like to say people work with her. You know, we're still trying to come up with the word that means working without working with someone, you know, collaboration that might not work in that situation. But um, it has been a joy to have you on here and I could see having you on again. I mean, I think there's so many other things that we can talk about. I wish I had more time to talk about it now. Um, but anyways, thank you so much for being on the show. I really appreciate it. Oh, thank you for having me. It was my privilege. This week's Collective Awakening has been brought to you by the RVF Radio Network in conjunction with True Sacred Union's The Awakening Toolbox. Please subscribe to my website's blog at awakeningtoolbox.com if you'd like notifications of future episodes. You can also drop me an email there as well if you have any questions for me or my guest, or you know maybe you have some suggestions for upcoming episodes. Follow me on Facebook at True Sacred Union's The Awakening Toolbox if you'd like to know what else is coming up or just enjoy Ascension-related posts. I upload this broadcast weekly on Sundays for your listening pleasure. Thank you so much for listening and being part of the Collective Awakening. Until the next broadcast, namaste.